0: We're, we're getting to the point in video gaming where uh, and within our lifetime, it'll be indistinguishable from reality at some point. But one day I was like, you know, what do you guys think about astronomy? Because I was like thinking in the back. I've been researching this for like a month. Like, do I want to get into astrophotography? Like, there's so many people out there that don't know that you can do this from your backyard and see things that are just truly mind-boggling not only in scale but in distance and beauty because astrophotography at its core if you're not like really into the numbers and how things work and the editing process it's kind of it's a very patient game because it takes hours months days to create one image
1: that is Tagback TV, a popular video game streamer on YouTube who has recently discovered the hobby of amateur astronomy. And he incorporates his astrophotography sessions in with his video game streaming sessions, introducing a whole new audience to our hobby. So let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories.
2: Sean, so good to have you here, man. It is, um, you know, it, it's fun to have guests on, but it's even better when I get to have you know close friends that I spend a lot of uh, a lot of the days playing games with and, and other things. Anyway, even from what got to be twenty five hundred miles away.
0: Oh yeah, oh it's great to be here, and thank you guys for having me as well.
2: So I know, uh, I know, it always it always happens where we're in these conversations, but the introductions already introduced you. But I'll go ahead and say that you are a um, you're you're a big YouTube streamer. Tag back TV uh, for anybody that that doesn't know, and you you stream mostly video games, but you also do astronomy stuff. But that's a more recent kind of development, right?
0: Yeah. So, um, about June of last year is when I started. So, haven't quite been a year yet. A couple more months before uh, we hit that one year mark. Um, it was really interesting just trying to integrate the gaming and astrophotography into like this hybrid stream that I can share with my community.
2: Yeah. Was that not scary? I mean, especially when you have those kind of numbers, I mean, you have videos with what 4 million views and and things like that. I'm thinking if that's your, if that's your livelihood, this is your, your job. Are you not worried about pivoting at all? I feel like it'd have to be kind of scary to put anything other than what, you know, works out there for people.
0: Oh Yeah. Anytime, anytime you kind of do a pivot on YouTube, it's uh, it's it's quite terrifying. Um, just in in general, especially with any type of content, which is why I really wanted to create like a, a hybridization of what I already did, and uh, I integrated it into what I already knew worked really well for me, and um, it was just kind of seeing if people would like this additional extra really super nerdy i actually named the streams like my ultimate nerd live streams because we're playing video games which is already pretty nerdy and then we're adding this on top of it so i think it really appeals to that crowd as well in in a way that um i was actually surprised with how well it did (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I got to say, I, in getting ready for this podcast, I went on your channel, started watching some of your streams, and and the, the gaming streams were, were you know excellent, really good, and then there were these ones that I noticed, like you said, these nerd sort of hybrid streams where you gamed for a while, and then you processed images for a while, and then you gamed for a while, and then you processed it, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a real gear shift for me. You know, <laughs> when I have, for my mind, I'm sitting here watching you play video games, and now I'm watching yeah. you. Process images, uh, so you find that your audience is is going with that gear change. They're they're cool with that. They they, yeah. they like it.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's it's quite surprising. Well, a lot of the games that I play, uh, they have like either something that's integral to like uh, like uh, photography, like Red Dead Redemption Two. There's a whole community around that game that just do like nature photography and even landscape photography with like, I because uh, the details in the night sky are are actually really detailed. Uh, so I have like a lot of community from that, and then. Um, uh, animal crossing has like a lot of uh lunar and ash- astronomy stuff that's kind of integrated into that so there's there's interest there for those types of things and i think uh, people have kind of been looking for like a gateway into these kind of what i call super nerdy things <laughs> that
2: uh i was just gonna say you know people like that stuff whether they know they do or not it's, it's half of the reason things like like you mentioned red dead redemption i mean even when you're just watching like the the advertisements the trailers for that game it's like half of the fun of the game is that they've put so much detail into these incredible landscapes. As you're just moving around that world, you're in awe the entire time. And it's like, it inspires that photography side, which is exactly the way photographers look at the world around them. You're walking around and you're like, most people can walk through a field or, or wherever they're going. photographers don 't think they're like oh this this should be framed this way at this time of day with this lighting you know and I think that game kind of does those those types of games at least do that same thing so i'm not i'm not terribly
1: surprised that that people would draw that connection okay, hang on, hang on guys okay because I I, I I gotta I gotta drill down on this i'm not a gamer, so are you telling me that within the game itself the graphics are such that people actually take photography as the thing that they do in the game itself so they're like doing landscape photography within the mm-hmm. game renderings
0: yeah it's uh it's actually kind of astonishing i have actually mistaken <laughs> no idea. like uh landscape photography from red dead redemption 2 for actual real life photography and then I zoomed in, I was like, wait a second, those are pixels from a video game. And I can start seeing, I was like, this is Red Dead Redemption 2. This is like where like Mount Chan or something like this. It is It is astounding the detail in that game, especially if you like scale it up to like 8K resolution. It's, it's, we're, we're getting to the point in video gaming where, uh, and within our lifetime, it'll be indistinguishable from reality at some point. It's, it's insane the progress That's that amazing. they're
2: making. That's uh, a strange thing to hear. Because, you know, I mean, I I grew up with the, you know, the Nintendo generation, man. It was like the Super Nintendo to me was like mind boggling. When I saw the graphics the first time on on Super Nintendo, like the the old school Marios, I was just so amazed that like when you jumped, the feet moved a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is
2: nuts. This is almost indistinguishable from reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know what's crazy? I'm with you, man. I hear you. But when we were younger, like every every new generation, we we're like, this is better than real life. And just looking back at those games now, it's like, yeah. what was I thinking?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I was exactly. okay then, that I was just a little bit ahead of my time then when I was tr- in trying to spend some time with my sons back when World of Warcraft was big. Uh, I guess it's been early 2000s, mid 2000s, something like that. Um, I would spend all my time in the character looking around right and i'm looking up in the sky and i'm going hey you know this is a pretty good night sky yeah so i guess i was a little bit ahead of my time there
2: yeah but how did that so so you you take this leap right you're um you know you're gonna start just (laughs) without warning showing your followers the night sky and teaching them science and you know they come here to see animal crossing but it's like surprise you're gonna see the universe instead yeah um, and in the initial response was just like this is amazing
0: yeah so it, it, was, it was we kind of segued into it there's a couple of things that kind of led to it um we we would have these little bits sometimes during live streams where it would be professor tag uh teach us this, like time zones because i just like really basic things and just making a making kind of like a joke out of it for people who were not understanding uh just to make it fun um uh, but one day i was like you know what do you guys think about astronomy? Cause I was like thinking in the back of my, I've been researching this for like a month of like, do I want to get into astrophotography? I knew I wanted to, but like, could I get the audience interested in doing this. So that way I could tell myself that I could spend this eight, 10 hours a night on this without losing any of my potential like income or anything like that. Um, and the, the second I said, it, I showed one photo and they're like, I didn't even know this was possible. Like There's so many people out there that don't know that you can do this from your backyard and see things that are just truly mind-boggling, not only in scale, but in distance and beauty. And um, the second I showed the first photo, they said, if you don't do this, I'm unsubscribing.
2: (laughs) That's what I've seen. So, you know, I've joined one, I think one or maybe two, maybe it was just one, one of your streams. And we just talked Astro and people... We're going nuts over it. Like it was the exact opposite when you first told me the idea. I was like, "That's a terrible idea. Don't do that." That's what I was thinking. Like, that's not going to work well, man. They're here to see video games. I don't don't think that's a good idea. But when I came in and saw the response, it's the exact opposite of that. It's like, hey, I came here for this, but look at this bonus. This is amazing. I can't believe I get to see this stuff.
0: And, and that's kind of what I uh, what I what I wanted to do because astrophotography at its core if you're not like really into the numbers and how things work and, and the editing process it's kind of it's a very patient game because it takes hours months days to create one image um so i knew i couldn't just do astrophotography for the channel because it's not fast-paced enough it's uh there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it but i was like i wonder while i'm sitting here waiting for these images to come in if i just play games and then that way I can ease them into this type of content that I want to create. And, um, yeah, we spend about 30 minutes. Like I show exactly how to get it set up. I'll let them choose a target in the sky. And like, what do you guys want to see tonight? And then they'll like, say, I want to see the elephant's trunk nebula. I zoom in. Like I, I show the telescope moving to it. We lock on. And then once we get our first image in, we could just go play games until it's done. And, uh,
2: it's crazy. It's a phenomenal idea, and it works. Um, you know, it definitely works better than than I would have assumed it does. And, and you're right. Like I see the community growing. I, I have a lot of those people now messaging me on Instagram saying, like, "Hey, I saw this from, uh, from Tag Stream. This stuff is mind blowing. I can't get it out of my head now. Astronomy is like in my head, and it's stuck. I'm like, yeah, you're in our world now. Like this, that never leaves. You're never going to have that out of your mind
0: yeah. now. So welcome." I mean, for for thousands of years, since probably like the dawn of humanity, we've been obsessed with space. And for our generation, for like, you know, within the past hundred years, like we really haven't been able to see as much of the night sky as as people previous, you know? And I think now that people can get back into it, um, that obsession comes right back. Like we've been obsessed with space and the sky forever, like formed religions around things that we see up there. And um, I don't think that obsession will ever go away. And once people can actually see again because a lot of these people are in cities they don't see the night sky like they did before and um once they realize that they can do it again the obsession just comes right back that's an
2: interesting concept though the idea that we can't see as much as people before us could by just walking outside we can see a lot more now with the tools we've developed to take over that job and so we're losing our night skies to light pollution which is just saying that it like I know everybody listening to this knows that's a reality, and it's so heartbreaking to even say, but it's true. It's true. I mean uh, – they're not coming back.
1: They're not going to ever get better. Yeah.
2: It's really hard to see a path forward. I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty pessimistic statement that they're never coming back.
1: Do you you think the night skies will, will get better, that light pollution will go away? I think if
2: people want them to um uh, you know well, there it's uh, not like there's not funny. a possibility it's not like there's not a way to do it it's just that not enough people want to you know but if people wanted to it'd be easy to turn lights off it's not it's not like it's going away permanently because of some unchangeable circumstance i mean we can turn lights off we just don't you know and and maybe eventually people will maybe the interest is moving the right direction and people will it's hard to imagine a path forward where enough people want to because everybody's so scared everybody thinks that turning lights on is what keeps them secure and that they're sacrificing their security if they let you know if they turn the lights off and and i think that's a, a misconception for sure but i think that is the idea and that's one of the limiting factors there
0: i was uh was reading a statistic the other day that within like the next 40 years like like the most areas like 80% of the areas that we can actually get to are going to be so polluted with light that you won't really even be able to see the uh, you know the night sky in the same way anymore.
1: Yeah. yeah. We just need that's more That's what I mean. That's that's what I'm talking about. It's like the the trend isn't to go less light. It's it's towards more light. And you're you're right about will. If we had will to do it, then then we would certainly see dark skies again. And certainly by accident we'll have them again when <laughs> you know when Power goes out some regions and things like that, but, uh, right. you know, the trend isn't, the trend isn't to less light. It's more light. So, well, think yeah. about this. You're, you're both great examples. Each of you individually has reached
2: millions of people that otherwise would not have been thinking about astronomy. Right. You, you catch people maybe at a casual interest and you give them a path forward to really explore that interest. And so, Tony, even though that, that's your statement, let's think about this. Like how many people have you reached that after seeing what it is like the, the science education you're providing, the different videos you've done, they're going to be more aware of it. And a lot of those people are probably less likely to create light pollution problems. They're probably more aware of it
1: and turn their lights off. They probably well, want to see it. I don't think very many, and I'll tell you why. Because I just okay. last week's <laughs> last no week's Space Junk podcast was about this, and we we I had Kelly Beatty from Sky and Telescope on, and we talked about every time he does a talk at a group of amateur astronomers, he and he's right now it's on the board of the International Dark Sky Association. And he yeah. he says, "How many of you astronomers, amateur astronomers, who have a vested interest in this?" are members of the Dark Sky Association. Out of maybe 100 people, two or three will raise their hands. So the, it, there doesn't seem to be a connection between the hobby itself and the fact that they, we could do something about the light pollution. Um, so I think that even though I do make videos and I do reach other people, um with them i don't think that th- there's a connection made between that and the and the light pollution that's in i the, don't that know if that's a good way
2: i mean i don't know if that's a good way to measure it I, I think you could go to any neighborhood and be like hey how many of you here want your property value to hold or to increase and everybody raise their hands and you say okay well how many of you actually go to hoa meetings or participate in that anyway i know like a, it's not an ideal metric boring.
1: i i know it's not it's not an ideal it metric. I, no I agree. it's just but, not yeah but it but it illustrates what – I guess the point I'm trying to make is that amateur astronomers themselves could get more involved in this, and there doesn't seem that they are in many instances. Maybe they – I mean they could do things to reduce light pollution that it doesn't seem they're engaged enough to do, and that's my only real point. So you're right. It's not a good way to measure it, but it is – you know, something, I mean, there you get is, people there is looking
2: something. up and if they experience light pollution because they want to see something and they can't because of light pollution, they're now aware of it. And I think that, you know, we've, we've each spent a lot of time getting people to look up. And I think the more that happens, the more people be aware of it. I don't know that it'll ever go away. I, you know, I try not to ever be, uh, you know, as Tony's made fun of me for being unyieldingly optimistic about these things. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, I believe that we can solve these problems. I just think not enough people yet want to maybe one day there will be enough people. And and if we keep on this path, maybe we'll get them there. Well, but
1: Anyway, you're definitely a positive Pete. I'll tell you that. I'm very very happy that I'm very happy that you are, um, for sure. (laughs) But here's the thing. You know what? You know what'll cure it? Here's the thing that cures light pollution. You go on a road trip with somebody, and you take them from the city, right where they live, or they say they're in the the east or whatever. You take them on a road trip to Las Vegas, and then you stop somewhere on I-15 or something, somewhere out in the middle of the desert there, and you just you just take them and you just. Just pull over to the side of the road and just show them the stars. That's, that's every, exactly. Every time they they will take their breath away.
0: That, that is exactly what I've done this week. I just drove from San Antonio to California. And along the way, we stopped like in Deming right along the Mexican border. And that was, that was my first time ever actually being in a Border Class 1 zone and seeing the Milky Way. And uh, I'm recording basically a, a vlog about you know traveling here and being able to photograph things that I could never see from where I am just introducing people to what is there. And I actually want to do like a challenge to my community as well, where I do some sort of giveaway and like, you know, open up this light pollution map, find the, the you know, the, the darkest skies you can and go take a photo. And then I'll do a giveaway for people who did, who do that or something like that. Uh, just to kind of spread awareness. That's awesome. That they can do yeah, this great. close. Yeah. yeah. It's overwhelming, right? When people
2: think about um, taking a vacation People think of like destinations, and they think of where are we going, and you know what what entertainment are we going to have when we're there? What are the restaurants? But literally, like just choosing a place in the middle of nowhere should be a vacation destination for people at some point in their lives because too many people have never seen this, and it is absolutely one of the most overwhelming experiences you can have. <laughs> it
1: does. It it's it's, it it takes their breath away literally. I've never, I've rarely, you know, failed to see it happen. It's just it's
2: a lot of emotions, man. That you like it's it's truly overwhelming and a little bit terrifying the first time, (laughs) you know. And you look up and you literally, even if you even if you know the constellations, you're lost. You can't find anything. It's just a wall of stars.
1: You know, it is it's a well, little Thank scary. God for the deserts, man. That's all I got to say, because that's one of the few places that's reasonably accessible that you could drive through and get these stunning views still. And so thank God yeah. they're, still, they're still there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're they're still there. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of southern hemisphere skies that are still
1: very well protected mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah. true, you know, yeah. good places to go. And
2: so I, I well, don't all know. the world's I observatories think
1: that... are being built on the Andes right now. So it's up in Chile and those areas where the best skies are.
2: So. Yeah. So anyway, it it kind of leads to, you know, you're talking about you just taking a trip and seeing it for the first time. Um, It leads me to what, you know, the idea for this podcast actually was. And it's that you took a completely upside down approach to the hobby, completely upside down. I mean, everybody kind of gets into visual and then they want to, you know, put their phone up to the eyepiece and then eventually they get a DSLR and they try to connect that instead. Um, you know, and then eventually they, they start to get like a tracking mount for it and all of these things. And then they're into astrophotography. You just started straight at the top of astrophotography, doing the most difficult type, the really like the deep space stuff, and then worked your way back to where you are taking your first Milky Way photos ever now. What a year later. Right. So like, how does that happen? That doesn't happen often.
0: It's, um, i i definitely especially after the uh, the talk we had last night with still with the stella community i i really realized just how opposite i i went about going this hobby and um it's actually been really interesting because i found like more difficult things that i completely skipped out on like just even basic polar alignment out in a dark sky is <laughs> really difficult um yeah just because yeah, it it's hard to even tell where anything is when you're under skies that dark um but I guess what happened is whenever I encounter something new, I want to always experience what the most difficult version of that is, like whether it's gaming or anything that I want to learn. I want to learn like basically everything I can possibly learn about it. And when I was looking into it, I was like, what is going to really capture that's like everybody's seen photos of the Milky Way? Uh, uh, everybody's seen photos of, you know, like, like landscape photography or like maybe even wide angle stuff. But. Like seeing things that traditionally the average person doesn't even know really even exists. Like I've had so many people enter a stream and be like, this is, you can see this from your backyard, like millions and millions of light years away, or, you know, thousands if you're doing Nebula and stuff like that. And, um, just really trying to capture the imagination and the minds of the the viewers when they're watching and saying, you know, this might not even exist right now. We can't tell because this is millions of years in the past as you've often said, photographing ghosts. And I think that just capturing their, their minds and their imagination at what's actually possible and out there um, was really intriguing to me. And that's what led me to start at the very tail end of this hobby than starting at the bottom. So what do you recommend
2: to people when they ask then? I mean, most people say start simple. Do you tell them to do that or do you say do what I did?
0: <laughs> uh, so it's it's very hard to to recommend uh, what I did because often I'll show like photos of, um, you know where you should start because it's it's a very very expensive hobby photography in general is one of the most expensive hobbies that you can get into and then astrophotography just takes that to a whole other level because you just you can well, that's never why stop.
2: people don't start like you did right i mean <laughs> yeah. that's one of the main reasons is starting yeah. with the very top equipment yeah i mean then it is it is a very expensive hobby when people start with a 300 hundred dollar mount that's not that's not gonna you know they're not having to take out a second mortgage to go out in their backyard and play.
0: And yeah, so so a lot of that is is why I'm 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 retracing what I'm doing and I'm trying to get to a more basic version of what I want to do as far as content creation to show like this is where you can get to but then this is how you can get yourself addicted to it. Like you know if you have a camera that's why I'm going to challenge people if you have a camera go to a dark site and just take a photo and then just get them engaging in that and you know motivating people to do something is always the most difficult part. Um but if you can teach them exactly how to do it and uh, and get them to do it once, I think people are going to continuously just get a just get addicted and want to do it more. And especially just connecting with you know our ancestors at looking at the sky, like nobody really gets to do that anymore.
2: Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack, in even that last statement. But you said that um, motivating people to do something. I, I mean, referring to this, why do why do you two think that is? Why why would motivating to people to do something that inherently clearly all humans are interested in. Why would that be difficult to do? Why do you think that is?
1: Are you are you asking me?
2: Yeah, I want to hear what oh, okay you think about yeah, that. I mean, well because I agree it is the hardest part is getting people to the point where they're willing to
1: do it. So why do you think that is? Well I I don't know. I think part of it is is st- if I'm being honest is streaming. I'm guilty myself of of sitting there and going, you know, I've got this great telescope. I should go out and observe and connect with the night sky or I could go watch Econ Greg, you know, and, and, and do the same thing. Right. So, you know, I'm guilty of doing, it. blaming Greg. So yeah, (laughs) I'm not blaming. I'm I'm going to let him know. I'm blaming you, man, for taking me out of the night sky. Thanks. No, really. Thanks, man. I miss the night sky, but you, no, I'm just saying sometimes it's easier, right? Um, That's part of it. Another part is that, you know, we, there's this sort of, I don't want to call it a fear. It's not that it's just this reluctance to to take a leap, right? If I, you know, if I'm watching tag back um, do, do a, 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 image processing on some, what looks to be some pretty incredible software and he's right. got this equipment that, you know, I don't have um, that can be intimidating. So, you know, I, I could see easily people just like, I just going to sit and enjoy what he's doing, what tag's doing. So I can, I can, uh, you know, live it vicariously that way. That's yeah. part of it. I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that and uh, that's kind of why I'm trying to do something a lot more basic like tonight when if me and Dustin actually go and photograph some Milky Way stuff tonight I picked up I just picked up a little tripod to put my phone on there and see can I get a good shot of the Milky Way with my phone like how easy and how basic can I get this to be mm. uh, to get people to really see because I, I definitely started on the very far spectrum um, but I want to get to the point to where you know just pick up your camera and, and do it early, like, even if you're taking a road trip somewhere, because a lot of people travel all over the place, but you can't even see the night sky from your car because your eyes are adjusted to the headlights and you might not even notice what's right above you. And um, I didn't like I was looking out the window, I was like, We're in a border class one, but I don't see anything. And then we stopped and I stepped out and I just sat there like God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. That's my that's yeah. my absolute favorite thing to do, man. I just love doing that. It's simple, it doesn't cost a dime, and it's so emotional. Um, what what kind of equipment do you have man what what do you what did you say oh. when you bought the high end stuff what did you oh
0: god um so i've i've got a couple of really exciting things coming in that i haven't gotten to use yet um but so i started off with an eqr6 uh, eq6r pro from skywatcher and i paired that with a skywatcher 100 and i quickly realized that i wanted to go bigger really fast <laughs> um so that was that was my starting off point and i, I photographed the I had a crop sensor image uh, sensor on there from um, Starlight Express. Yeah, it and was a was 694, able to- right? It was a yeah, CCD, yeah. not, yeah, okay. Yeah, the H694. And that was enough with the 100 millimeters to actually get a cropped in photo of the horse or of the uh, elephant's trunk nebula. And the second I got that in, I was just like, yeah, I'm addicted. It didn't look good, but to me, it was like, it was like treasure in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And then uh, I showed that picture to my to my community like five minutes after. It's just basically just dots of pixels that are green, red, and blue because I didn't know how to process at the time. Um, and I, I did a stream. I was like, look at this telescope. Like, I could really reach out and touch things with the Skywatcher 150 or the uh, I just got a plane wave 12.5 inch that's coming in, which is going to get me to 2,500. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um So I, I upgraded to the 150. Uh, from skywatcher and then uh the zwo 6200 mil, uh, mono which
2: really two megapixel cmos camera
0: that camera is absurd um but yeah, when, I was, so when i was good. telling people about upgrading they're like go big or go home <laughs> loser like you're gonna get this <laughs> like get this now or we'll riot like i want to see like the farthest objects that you can do from your backyard and um I, I still thank them like every day, like, thank you guys for pushing me to get into astrophotography. Because I was nervous about it. Like, you know, can I can I make yeah. this content? Can I do these streams? And just every time they're like, When are you doing the next astro stream? Like, get a bigger telescope. When are you gonna like buy something in Chile <laughs> or something like that? Um Yeah, well you have
2: a sixteen eighty three S big camera too. Mm-hmm. But that's gonna go on the plane wave.
0: Right? Yeah, that's gonna go on that's gonna go on the plane wave, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I've got it sitting there just looking at me every day, like like put, use me. It's
2: such a big camera. Thing's huge, size of a bowling ball. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, huge. It's, um, and and you do. You're right. Like you have an amazing community. They are the most supportive, uh, group of people ever. When you talk about doing this stuff, yeah, they really are. It's all. It always is that go big or go home. Yeah. You know, it's like well, looks like we're doing the the big plane wave today then.
0: Yeah, you know, I did a I, stuff happened. I did a poll as a joke, like should I sell my car and buy a giant telescope? And they were, uh, it was either yes or you have a problem, but at least it's not crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, uh, uh, yes. it it's been a. I'm glad that it's been a good thing for you in that you know you you took the path you did because it's been fun to to witness and you don't see it too often as as you know you just mentioned we did that talk with Stella yesterday which. Um, was really amazing. Um, we are still dream. I watched Instagram. half of
1: it. That was really good.
2: Yeah, I love that those groups exist, especially that one. Um, you know, for women in astronomy and and just hosting them yesterday was the the coolest thing. And you can see every bit of this hobby moving the right direction. But as you saw, everybody told their stories last night, and none of them were, with the exception of one,
0: with the exception of one
2: in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Sacred black astronomy who started actually a little bit further, started as a telescope operator in an observatory and then worked her way backwards. Um, But, you know, you don't hear that story very often. Everybody starts the opposite way. I mean, even with just binoculars, which I can't tell you how many people myself I've recommended. Start simple. Start small. Make sure that you like the process. Make sure you like being out um, outside and doing this hobby, you know, before you
1: you buy a plane wave. But we say that because we're not sure they're we're not sure that they're sure that they're gonna like it, right? I mean, you know, in, in Tag's case he he knew, right? He was like, I'm doing this, right? So, you know, we often give that advice, at least I do. I give that advice in that way because it's like sort of a tentative approach, right? Well, if you think you might wanna do this, then maybe try with something modest. And if that that's good to you then work your way up that's why i give that advice that way anyway
2: i do it for complexity reasons i think that it's easy to start simple it's it, like you want to promote success you want these people right. that are getting into it to be successful and if you jump straight into an observatory there's a lot that can go wrong that's yeah, the reason it, i do it that could be you overwhelming know? for sure yeah I, I have no doubt that people that get into it i mean how many people do you meet they're like oh i really got into astronomy and just hated it yeah like, never i don't think that's anybody ever been that's gonna... said I can pick Ever.
0: that's going to pick up a, a camera and photograph space like that is going to be like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this this is it. terrible.
1: <laughs> Boring.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never seen that. So it's not that I just think that it's hard to, I mean, even just picks insight for processing. That's a, that's a big thing to, uh, to tackle. And so, you know, I just try to get people to take steps so that each step is successful so that they're, you know, they're, they're proud of their pictures and they're proud of, you know, their progress instead of just, tinkering and trying to figure out the equipment all the time
0: Yeah. go ahead
2: i thought i thought Tony was about to say something i I, I, I
1: was well that's because he does that he takes this huge breath and then says nothing i wanted to i wasn't sure i wanted to bring this up but it hit me when you guys were talking about pixin site i spent my career working in a in a software package called IDL. And it got me to think of because Tag bought all this stuff. He's getting a plane wave, for God's sakes. So, that, you know, money is, is, is you know, it, and complexity isn't scary. Why don't people use IDL? Now, for those of you who don't know, IDL stands for Interactive Data Language, and it's used by professionals to process images, but it's expensive. A, a license for that software is on the order of thousands of dollars. And but here's the thing: you can do with it. You can load an image into an array. You could load a second image into an array, and you could say image three equals image one minus image two, and you've made a subtraction. That's all you have to do. And you could really tweak this stuff much easier than what what I've seen people do with PixInsight. And so I got to thinking: Gosh, should I say that out loud? Because it's 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 an expensive piece of software, but professional astronomers. Use it as a crutch because they can't really write their papers without the array operations that are there in IDL, and so that's what I was thinking. And the more I say it, I don't know what PixInsight costs. Is it is it free or does it does it cost money?
0: Two hundred and fifty something dollars. Oh, okay, I think. so yeah. we're
1: still orders of magnitude different, yeah. as far as price goes. But that's what, and you it's know, one I got of the more
2: to... expensive software packages too. For, for okay, so even yeah, for so... pretty pictures, that's like that might be the most expensive.
1: Okay, but if you're willing to spend all this money on hardware, then you know for a not insignificant investment in software, you could get some pretty killer power. And I often wonder why, when I'm seeing where amateurs are going with their stuff now, and amateurs are basically just starting off at the pro level, um, why aren't you know why why isn't the software keeping track? I mean, Photoshop is great, uh, but you know it's there, there's stuff out there that's been ex- in existence for a long time. That's amazing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I, does that just work? I mean, because
2: that. your, your experience with it in the use for all of your professional observatory work was for science. And I understand that software, you know, that it would be perfect for that application, but it, would it have,
1: would it be effective for pretty pictures? Yeah. Um, the, so the Hubble, um, the Hubble team, uh, they had this thing called, uh, um, uh, Hubble heritage and the Hubble heritage group at, at the Institute is the group that's responsible for those in those every, the, the anniversary pictures that come out from Hubble each year, the oh, calendar yeah. photos, amazing. the, the people that do all the, um, uh, desktop backgrounds, all of that stuff, murals, they make murals best images in the world. Yeah, yeah. They use, uh, software like that. And they also use Fitz liberator and a few other things. But, um, I had, I had, um, uh, Zolt LeVay, who was on the team before I retired on a hangout many, many years ago, and he stepped us through how he made those uh, those uh, Hubble Heritage images using uh, all of these things. And part of it was subprocessing with IDL. So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of professionals. That's the only one, by the way, I should mention, that costs a lot of money um everything else like astropy that's the python version of uh for astro processing that's free um you could just download that and start using it but you got to know python to be able to do it so maybe maybe that's the barrier i don't know um but i was just well with <laughs> both if you have to
2: learn to code and it's a few thousand dollars yeah. there's a couple couple hurdles Right, would right. would keep people out, right? The but the part, array
1: operations are really what make it worth its money. You could take arrays and build and just using simple arithmetic operators, and it's actually quite complicated. Um, but again, you could do that with PixInsight. You know, you could just do the Yeah, or
2: even even a newer one, uh, Astro Pixel processor, I see a lot of people using that, you know, it'll take in 50 images and just make like, the, the cleanest mosaics ever. It's really pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. And I think the software is getting better and better because a lot of it's open source. And so they're not dependent on a couple of people trying to do all of the heavy lifting to get these different features out. But they just open it up to people and say, hey, um, what would you like to see in here? Go ahead and put it in. You know how to code? Like put this in here and share it with everyone. And that stuff works. Now you got a lot of freeware that's powerful,
1: extremely powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's
0: funny. I I paid two hundred and however many dollars it was for uh for Pix Insight, but almost all of the processes that I use in there are free add-ons that people made for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, right,
0: yeah.
2: Well, it's, yeah, well, uh... you you do that though, and you show you even show your followers. So you and I have very different ways of processing images. Um, you know, and then Tony, of course, has a very different way too, which was he would look at everything we're doing as disgusting and damaging the data. <laughs> And right. offensive, yeah. right? But but on our side, when we are damaging and destroying the data and trying to make it look a certain way, um, you, you have a lot more that goes into your process. You're back and forth between multiple programs. You know, you're doing, um, you, you've kind of formed like your own little path that you navigate through each image. And then once it's done, you go back and do it again. And I know this because you send me the images and then the image changes the next day. And it changes drastically. Like you you really tweak things and you show your followers that. So I should say anybody listening that wants to see a really detailed image process, um, you know, that's something that you share and you're very open about exactly how you come to your images. And and that one that you did of Orion was absolutely incredible. Um, And I know there was a lot that went into it, but you know, man, watching it, it's kind of like, Wow, this is this is something that really you have to spend a lot of time to come up with. I mean, my image processing is like seven minutes <laughs> from start to finish. The longest part, loading the files because they're big. You know, uh, so like, how did how did you do that, and why do you just give that away to everybody for free?
0: Well, uh, kind of similar to what we just discussed. Like the the barrier to entry is large on uh, in, in astrophotography and. Everybody wants to keep everything a secret. And that's a big reason why I think that a lot of people don't get into it. Because, yeah, you can tell anybody, hey, just take the equipment you have and go out and take a photo. But then they try and go and actually process this to make it look like what the professionals are doing or even just the you know amateurs. And it's, it's like they're two completely different things and you try and figure out how it is. And you get one little snippet of information here because that person doesn't want to give their full process away. And then you get a little snippet over here. And it's just this overwhelming amount of information that you need to learn to make an image actually look really, really professional. When in reality, it's not that difficult. And if you just, if somebody's willing to just show the process, then you could have thousands of people doing the exact same thing, which is also why people don't want to do that because it's going to get harder to be an APOD or something like that. But, uh, um, I just, I I want to get people into it. So if that means me not making money by selling how I do my processing and to get thousands of people into this, then that's what I'm going to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look, I really respect that. I think that's awesome. So you answered before that you don't tell people to do what you did because I agree. I think that's too much to ask for people to get into a hobby for the first time. Um, granted, even if you know they're going to love it and it's something that ultimately they're probably going to spend a lot of time doing anyway um and maybe you could skip a few steps if they just went in there i still think it's a lot to ask if you're not telling them to do that what are you telling people to do specifically because i know you get asked this on a daily basis yeah
0: and so so more often than not because i want i want to get people to just just go out and do it so like say they have a camera already pretty much you can get into some really really basic astrophotography that's uh, won't be on the same level as what i'm doing on a stream but you know if you have a camera at home and you have a lens especially if you if you have a wide angle lens and you have a telephoto lens you have everything you need to at least start looking at the sky a little bit if you have a wide angle lens you know uh, just go out and try and take some photos of nebula or even if you can get a so what i often most recommend is if you have a camera already then get uh, a star tracker uh, whether it be Skywatcher or i think it's ioptron is the other one
2: yeah yeah it's um, a popular one um the sky guider
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a sky guider. If you have a camera already, you're halfway there. And uh, a sky guider will get you to that next level of astrophotography, other than just a tripod right off the bat. Um, and they're and they're relatively easy to to use. I just learned how to use one over the course of like two hours the past two nights. Um, so simple, right? Yeah, it's yeah, just look uh, through the polar
2: know, scope, pointed at Polaris, and go. Yeah, you can.
0: It even gets so simple as long as you know north. Um, just pointed at north. And then you can start there. Your stars might not be perfectly tracked, but then you can learn how to properly polar align from there. Or you can get and if something If you're wide like a pole enough, master. they still will be perfect.
2: Yeah. That's the yeah. beauty of of shooting Milky Way stuff is it's so wide, it hides all the errors.
0: Yeah. So my, my number one recommendation is that if you have a camera, then upgrade to a star tracker. And then if you like that and you can see yourself actually going out every night, or maybe not every night, but every once in a while. Uh, then upgrade to to a slightly larger telescope that you can put onto that tracker, or upgrade to like a four hundred millimeter focal length like lens or something like that uh, that you can get for cheap. Because the Rokinon makes really cheap uh, lenses that have amazing glass in them, uh, but their their downside for typical photography is their focusing is just terrible. Uh, but for astrophotography, you're not you're manually focusing anyways. So you have this really nice glass and a cheap lens that you can use for astrophotography and put it onto any camera you have already.
1: Oh, that's good advice.
2: Yeah. Like that. yeah, and they're super wide. They're like twelve millimeters. For yeah, you can of.
0: get twelve millimeters. They go up. They have a really nice two hundred millimeter focal length one that you can put on there too. And since you are manually focusing it anyways, it's not going to be as accurate as having like a you know uh, an Optech focuser or something like that. You'll have stars with circles and stuff a little bit, but it's going to look really good for cheap. Yeah.
2: So what um what what's next? What are you going to do for your community and and what's the plan? going forward are you just gonna keep adding to the equipment you're gonna show them different types you're gonna do lunar i mean i I don't see you doing a lot of planetary stuff
0: yeah so um lunar uh i was getting into uh (laughs) so many plans uh honestly like what we've been discussing uh just traveling more and getting out there and, and actually seeing these dark skies and and going to the more basics of astrophotography and and uh getting people into it and progressing into this hobby uh, so I, I almost I was actually at Best Buy now looking for like a Canon T2i that I could just, you know, this is like 200 or 300 bucks. And this is what I'm going to do with it. And I'll do I'll start off with Milky Way. And I want to make a series of videos starting from like the very basics and upgrade each time and show the proper path that somebody might take to to, to get into this. You know what they might already have at home from lying around or something. But that's kind of the plan. And, and just doing more vlog types. And I just want to get people to fall in love with it
2: are you going to do more promotion to get not just video game people, but actual astronomers to your stream? And like, will they know what nights you're going to be doing specifically astronomy? So if they want to come see that, is it easy for them to find out if they go to YouTube and look at tag back TV?
0: Yeah. So I usually, if I have clear skies, I'll schedule it in the morning and be like, you know, this is, we're going to supposedly have clear skies. tonight. that's the hard part about astronomy is like, I could do it every Thursday or every Tuesday or something like that, but the clouds might not cooperate with that, which is, which has made it a little bit more difficult uh, to get people there all the time for uh, for it. But um, I, I do plan on making an actual secondary channel that's just dedicated to teaching people how to do astronomy or making vlog videos and stuff like that uh, to get people Yeah, I think that's it.
2: powerful. Imagine being out in the field. Like, if you could do this from the field, and I know you have plans to, but doing this from the field where you're going to specifically show people how to do Milky Way photography because when when you're doing deep space photography like you said you know the minimum time requirements generally hours with most Mm. most telescopes unless you have something super fast like a Rasa Um, and if you're going to you know doing that you've got to have video games or other things to fill in the time it's a long time to sit there and watch the camera countdown but Milky Way in between every exposure and the exposures are going to look processed out of the back of the camera you're what 20 seconds in yeah. at max like two minutes
0: yeah it was That'd actually be amazing people could learn yeah i was thinking about that the other day because i i, I want to find a way that i can hook up my camera directly to the laptop and then i can actually live stream doing milky way photography and that's just you know if you're doing third even 30 second exposures on a portal class one you have this beautiful image um yeah and just just literally just figuring out a way to carry it with me as i'm going uh, wherever I am and just even letting them set well it's, it's hard to let somebody set up a frame because it's so dark because you can't see it. I'd need like a night vision scope or something like that. But uh Yeah yeah. Um yeah. A lot how, of much, how much light stuff.
2: pollution are you dealing with, you know, on your 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 normal streams what Total are you dealing with there eights. in Texas?
0: Yep. There was a seven but we're it's building up so fast around us that we're probably an eight an eight right now. Ooh that's that's
2: what is it there in Florida, Tony?
1: I'm I'm five and six i mean it you know uh okay. the winter the winter months are better um just because the the moisture content's not as high but uh yeah about five or six where i live anyway
2: Bortle eight yeah that's tough so the only star you're seeing is the sun <laughs> <laughs> tony has got this cough can't make him laugh right now yeah, you break I him cough. i'm trying really hard uh, not
1: to laugh because i okay. don't want to start coughing <laughs> but uh yeah so well okay so i got a question for you. Um, I. I've been talking to so many people lately who have been saying that, yeah, I've been, you know, ask them how long they've been taking images of the nice guy, how long you've been imaging this about a year or so I've been doing this about a year. And then, you know, a year into it, they're, they're, they're amazing, right? Their, their skills are, and their results are, are astonishingly great. And my question to you is in the course of this, you said you started about a year ago or roughly around June of last year. And, um, what, what was your biggest obstacle? What was the thing that you had to work the hardest to overcome?
0: I think uh, there's there's two obstacles that are pretty tightly. Uh, so the first one is figuring out how to build out a proper telescope from like, especially when when you're talking about getting into it, if you want to get into it at photographing deep space stuff, there are so many obstacles that like. You, know, you get the telescope you get the camera and you get the mount but then you have spacing and you have to figure out the back focus and you have then you have to make sure that everything actually works together um and then so i got all of this stuff finally and i set it up outside and i take off the the cover of the telescope and i'm like i click a photo and i'm like Are those stars i could have swore they should have been bigger <laughs> uh, but it's literally just the noise from the left from the camera well, you're looking at the the dark noise <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah um and then uh, so then I had to figure out that you needed to download ASCOM drivers to get your stuff to work with the software that you had purchased to use with it. And because um, that's not always something that's that's blatantly obvious either. So not only do you have like all these little bits and pieces that go in between your telescope and your camera and making sure that everything communicates with itself, then you need to download an additional program on top of the one you already downloaded to actually get it all to work. And it's just it's kind of a nightmare how everything is just always so separated rather than just like any other hobby that you would pick up. You just go to the site or, or a store and you get everything all at once. Um, yeah. I think that's the, yeah.
2: So you tried to do it yourself before you, uh, you were talking to Jake, right? Because I, I remember Jake, uh, he came into my office and he was like, Hey, you know, I got this really cool guy. He's um he's going to be building out, you know, quite a, quite a system here, but, he's got, he's got some complexity. He's looking to build in. This is, this is going to be a fun one, you know? And I know the you two went to work together and he, he loves it, man. He, I know he loves working on that stuff and you guys have become pretty close through all of that. But um, yeah, he, uh, he was saying at the beginning that you were, you were serious from the day you called. Um, and he, you know, he was like, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a project right here.
0: Yeah. I, I think if, if, if I wasn't the type of person to, to really be get addicted to something, because the learning process for me is something that I really, really enjoy. Uh, but I think that's 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 a major issue for a lot of people is because there's just so much to learn. It's like drinking water from a fire hose sometimes when you're trying to, to learn all this stuff. And um, if there was just like one resource that you could go to and you could learn all of this really easily, I think it would help out exponentially because right now you have to go to like 50 different sites to maybe learn one thing that you need to know um yeah whether it's software or backspacing or or whatever it is it's just the information is just so spread out
2: yeah you know it's actually something that we've had our team we have a we have what we call opt university and it's something that we've had our team working on is is building out those resources for exactly that reason because the same thing you're dealing with is exactly what I dealt with when I got into the hobby, which is like, it's fine if you want to just get like a a normal system. And I'll say a normal system. I mean, things that are made to work out of the box to do a specific function. But if you're looking for these more complex things where you're trying to piece things together, you really have to, you really, especially in this hobby, you have to make sure that all the pieces will work together because manufacturers don't necessarily um, make things to a certain standard. They, they just kind of make it to whatever their own standard is. And they, they don't communicate with each other on, Hey, will this work with your part? And that's kind of what, you know, my team spends a lot of their time doing is making sure that systems people are trying to put together as components end up working together. And if not finding the pieces in the middle that will make them work together. Cause otherwise you can end up with a paperweight.
1: I love the tip that Salvatore gave us when we were – the guy from Astro who was – when he was building a site and he wanted to know specific information about specific pieces of cameras and stuff. He said what he found most helpful was doing Google searches in forums where everybody put in their signature, their equipment, and then once he found out those – piece like if he was looking about a specific camera then, then the user might put it in there and he found that if he just followed those people he could get the information he wanted for whatever it was he was putting together data for i thought that was an interesting uh little tip but you're both right that this stuff needs to be i think uh, a little bit more i don't want to say put together in one spot but at least coherently uh organized in some way that makes it a little easier to well that's that's what we're
2: doing um we we realized that it wasn't you know it wasn't happening there wasn't like a standard and so with opt university if you go to the opt website optcorp.com and you click on the opt university tab it's exactly what you'll find you'll find links to like it's how you learn so it's do you learn by audio space Junk podcast check it out there's a lot of and here are the ones where you can actually learn something that aren't just like hangouts um And then the other way is like video, you see all the OPT uh, tutorials, the video tutorials for, hey, here's how you do polar alignment. Here's how you balance amount, right? Because that stuff, there needs to be a place where it's like, I can solve my problem by going to this place. And that's what the OPT University tab is. And we're just, we have an entire team just like dedicated to chipping away at that and trying to get all of that information in one place. Because you're right, like it can be the thing that keeps people from the hobby if you can't figure out how to make your stuff work, you can't have fun. And, um, you know, it, it has to be easily accessible. You shouldn't have to go search 10 forums to find answers to changing products.
0: I was doing the same thing. Like, uh, I was, I was looking through forums, like, like, As cloudy nights or something like that. And I wasn't getting any information that I needed. And I was just, I, I, the taglines with people's like setups. I was like, okay, this is, this is helping. Then you, then you go look at photos they've posted and it's like, well, that's kind (laughs) of what I want to get. So I guess I'll look into this stuff that they've got there (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's what he would do. If he was looking to buy a camera, for example, he would try and find those cameras in the bylines of people posting in forums and look at their images and go, okay, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I might look at this camera a little bit more.
0: It's, it's so, kind of crazy that like the most, like one of the most expensive and difficult hobbies you can get into. <laughs> that, that's how you have to figure out the information for it.
2: I mean, it's really, I, I didn't like that either. When, when I started trying to do it with piecing, because you have to piece different components together. Like you know, you got a plane wave telescope, but there's not a plane wave camera. So you're gonna to have to get a different camera and it's not gonna just bolt onto the plane wave without some kind of adapter, right? And that's, that's, that's the problem at its core. Um, but that's really one of the things with, when we started making telescopes for Radian, that was a big part of the focus is, how do we go ahead and solve back focus so that no one ever has to know what that word means? The fact that our customers know what that word means, means that we failed as an industry right and so that's why it already comes as a standard for any DSLR or any T ring for a DSLR or mirrorless camera or what comes in the box with like ZWO it, you put it on there and you go and you don't realize that you ever needed to know anything and that's how it should be so all of the radiant scopes that kind of stuff happens but it's not uh it's not a standardized industry in that way and so you have to really be careful and make sure that if you're you're buying products that don't have those things already built out that you know, you do exactly what you're talking about. Cause if you're off by more than a couple millimeters, it's going to show in your images.
1: Yeah. Well, you're building a really good resource. I think to alleviate some of that, those knowledge gaps, those uh, information gaps. So it's, I couldn't agree more that that's needed. So I'm, I'm happy you're doing that too, Dustin.
2: We have a great team, man. They're, they're fun. Did you see the, um, the April fool's video they just did? On I didn't the, know. They, they did a video on a, um, it's called the Icarus filter. That's a light pollution filter. So strong. You can image during, midday and uh and then it also has a cloud filter built in and they 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 did the videos so well man the icarus filter you need to go watch it it's i'll go check it out yeah i didn't know i didn't i didn't see it they got like trevor jones involved and galactic hunter and a bunch of people but it's it's hilarious man and it looks like it's a real product even at the end it's just like go to this page to check it out you know and you get there and it's like
1: april fools <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious you know, yeah no. but yeah it's funny man okay um with the few minutes that we have left i just i want to i don't get to talk to a lot of uh super high profile streamers so i wanted to ask you a streamer question if i could in your experience because you do a lot of gaming streaming and i watch some gaming streaming not as much as some but i do watch it periodically my own son is even considering becoming a gaming streamer on twitch Um, do you find that that enhances the game experience for the people watching your streams and this would go also into the amateur astronomy part of the stream as well or is it enough for them to just watch you stream it and not really get involved in the game at all do you understand my question oh yeah no absolutely um, I wonder if what you're doing and the way you're presenting it does it enhance their enjoyment and make them want to go out and do it, or is it enough to just watch you play?
0: Yeah, uh, one of the, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about because uh, I actually started off as a content creator first, and then I kind of delved into streaming uh, to kind of connect with the community that I had built over time. Because uh, you know, it gets you—you you can only talk to yourself in a closed room for so long before you start slowly losing your mind. I um, know. <laughs> um, so what I do is I, I kind of created this hybridization because I didn't want to just stream. I still I still wanted to add value to what I was doing. Um, so I kind of do this hybridization stuff where I'll do tutorials on things that I've learned how to do while I'm streaming. So I add value to it, not only uh, for those that come watch every day, but that are looking to maybe enhance what they're doing. Um, and also the, the communication aspect. I, I talk to my community throughout the whole thing Uh, And I find that's a really great way to figure out what they're looking for, for whether it's content or tips and tricks about the game. Um, So, like, you know, I'll ask, you know, what are you guys having most trouble with with this game when I play something new? And they'll say, like, making money or, uh, you know, finding this item or something like that. And then I'll take that and I'll create videos on it. And so then those videos will bring people in and say, like, you know, these are great tips. And they'll come to the streams looking for that additional type of content that they might be struggling to find in their own game.
1: Okay, because it's gotten so big. I mean, you know, online streaming and, and eSports and all of this, it's gotten so huge. I just wonder how much of it is the experience of watching the streamer and how much it is getting confidence and knowledge for yourself to go and play these games. And uh, so that's good. And, and so that would also, I think, play out in amateur astronomy, right? Where you're streaming about this, your equipment, your processing techniques, and then you know, they're not just like I sometimes do with Econ Craig, they're, they, they're not just doing it vicariously through you. They're actually learning and, and going out and trying it themselves.
0: Yeah. I I think it definitely depends on the type of content. Uh, There's a lot of stuff out there that is just solely for like, you know, when we sit down and watch a football game or something like that, you're just enjoying, uh, whether it is living vicariously through them, or just it's something you enjoy watching, whether it's the competition of it or, Uh, the comedic value that it provides or something like that there's always something for each individual and also that the content creator provides maybe it's being extremely good at this game and you live vicariously through how good they are at it or the value that they bring or comedic effect because there's so many different things but i think um depending on the the type of content you make that there's always going to be there that somebody that wants to consume and learn from you as well
1: um there is definitely something mesmerizing about watching someone who is good at what they do do that thing right i mean you just it's just i don't care what it is it's just we've seen it in so many yes, different true. kinds of streams you know so okay well that's good
2: does it anything else no no this is fun and actually uh we're gonna be doing some milky way photography tonight so no,
1: are you gonna be streaming
2: uh no we're gonna be in the middle of nowhere so i don't think streaming. <laughs> okay. at,
1: at
0: 3 a.m wake up everybody yeah. <laughs> at 3 a.m <laughs> wake
1: up it's time to do it's time to do some milky way images. yeah yeah, yeah now that the images talked about will follow
0: <laughs> november i'll stream it though i'll have to come out in november and we'll do that because the november we should have the uh, milky way up uh at night time like like seven eight o'clock at night which is a lot easier to stream rather than 3 a.m yeah
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Tag Back TV, a.k.a. Sean, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us. And on behalf of Dustin Gibson, I'm Tony Darnell. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And as always, keep looking up.